You know, there's a, a couple of things, observations as, as we've gone through the service thus far. And Curtis in his prayer, he, he, he mentioned how uh, we, we pray that we don't get pulled in and brought low by the things that go on in, in the world because, you know, we're, we're apt to do that from time to time. And if you, you know, you listen to the news, especially lately, you know, you wonder, man, where's everything going? Um, you know, and it's really something that can weigh on you and, and pull you down. And I know my dad, people used to say, you know, you're, you're just a pessimist. And he would in turn say, no, I'm just a realist. And, you know, sometimes it's a combination of both. You know, we, we look at things and we have a tendency to be pessimistic. And then you look at it and you think, well, you know, that's kind of reality. Um, and as Brother Kevin led that last song about the last mile of the way, I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm in the last mile of the way, you know, because certainly there are more miles behind me than there are in front of me. That, that's for sure. Uh, but only the good Lord knows that. But I'm, I'm, my goal for this evening is, is to keep my lesson somewhat short. And I know you've probably heard me say that before, and, but it's a goal that I have to try to, you know, get up, say what I have to say, and then shut up and sit down. Um, as, as I... I thought through the, the, the thoughts that I might present this, this evening, you know, there are a couple of things that, that came to mind, and, and hopefully I can get this to work, yes. So, you know, as we look at the Bible, I mean, certainly it is basic instruction. And, you know, I heard this um, recently, you know, the, the Bible, you know, it's, it's basic instruction before leaving earth, and it, it certainly is. Um, you know, the Bible is replete with wisdom, um, warning, encouragement, knowledge, all kinds of things. I mean, it is truly our way to escape earth alive, if you will, figuratively speaking. It is good basic instruction before we leave earth. And, and we're all leaving earth at some point, whether we leave earth as we die and this body gets put away because you know, life leaves us or our good Lord comes back and we leave the earth at his coming. But one way or another, we are leaving earth. And the Bible is certainly good instruction uh, before leaving earth. Um, and, I, you know, the, the longer I have lived, you know, the, I guess the more its wisdom, you know, prevails. And, and I certainly, I certainly see that in my, my own life and, and its experiences. And so that's a good acronym, Bible, <laughs> basic information before leaving earth because it holds, holds to be so true. And so as we look at the things we're going to engage in this evening, it's intended to be uplifting, not downtrodden. And, and I appreciate the the verses that Nathaniel read for us, and you might look at that and think, man, that's really kind of negative, and, and sort of it is, but it's true. But we're going to try to look at that in, in somewhat of a, a positive lens or, or through a positive lens. So if you will, if you'll turn to Genesis 19, we're going to start with this somewhat lengthy reading, um, but Genesis 19, and it will somewhat set the stage for the thoughts of the evening. And it says in verse number 12, Genesis 19, And the men said unto Lot, 
Now, these are angels, and I would encourage you, go back and, and you read this account, and it's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what Sodom and Gomorrah is a, or was about, and if you don't, I encourage you to go back and, and read about Sodom and Gomorrah. It was not a good place. It says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto the sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So, you know, hey, this is just an old guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just saying ridiculous things. So they didn't really heed the warning too well, or they didn't want to. He said, hey, he's, he's just mocking. He's saying strange things and we don't want to listen. Verse 15, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the sin, of the city, rather. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city or outside of the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. That's important. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plains. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. So you get here at this point, the angels are saying, look, you've got to leave. Bad things are about to happen. Sodom and Gomorrah and all of its activities have come up before the Lord and not in a good way. And we are going to destroy the city. And he says, or they say, the angels, you need to get out. In fact, they take them and they move them outside of the city. And now Lot says, no, wait, wait. Can we, can we talk about this a little bit? Can we talk about where you want us to go? And, and if you think about that, you know, I look at living in a certain area in a, in a home and you build up, you know, things and you build up acquaintances and everything that goes with, as we like to say, putting down roots. And you look at that and you think, even sometimes if it's bad, you hesitate wanting to change and look away from what you have established, even if you're surrounded with bad things. And that's where Lot was. You know, he was, you know, hey, I appreciate what you're doing, but can we talk about where you want us to go? Can we have this conversation? And so, you know, that's, as I envision it, that is where, um, that's where Lot's mind is. Verse 18, and Lot said unto them, oh, wait a minute, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed upon me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. So he's saying, you know, I, I'm glad you're taking me out of the city. I understand that you're going to destroy it. God is going to destroy it. You want me to go here at this place, but I don't know if I like that place. Can we talk about going somewhere else? So you, you get the conversation. They're hesitant, and I get it. I understand. 
That's oftentimes human nature. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to leave everything behind. Everything that you have established and you've built in life, you know, especially the longer your life has been, perhaps you've accumulated more things, and it's hard sometimes to turn your back on those things and to move forward. Verse number 20, Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. So now he begins to have the conversation with the angel saying, how about this place over here? Let's negotiate a little bit. Let's go to this town. It's not as far, and it's, it's small. Can we just go there? Let's see, where do we In my, okay. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto and is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, and I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. So he's saying, Okay, we agree. Go to that small city. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou, thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Or, yeah, into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of the heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. So he destroyed it. Gone. Completely destroyed. Verse number 26. Now you remember what we read earlier. The angel said, you go and don't look back. Don't look back. You, you keep going and you stay in this small city that we've agreed for you to escape to, but don't look back. Keep your focus ahead. Don't look back about on things that were in what is about to happen. And we probably know the story. Verse number 26, what happens? But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So what's the, what's the point? Don't look back. That's what the angel said. Don't look back. You have agreed to escape the city that is going to be destroyed in the evil and the desolation that is coming upon the city. Don't look back. Move forward. Keep going straight ahead. Don't look back on the evil. Forget about those things. And that's a saying that we so often employ, and that is just forget about those things. Well, you know, if we're in our right mind, physiologically, that's not possible. We don't forget. We may say, you know, forgive and forget. You don't forget. God has given us the capability to remember things. And we learn from that. We hold on to those memories. We should not do it in a negative way, and in a bitter way, but we learn from life's experiences. And if we forget those experiences, then what do we draw from? Forgive, yes, absolutely. Can we forget technically, physiologically? Hopefully, no. We remember if our brain is working correctly. But when we say, don't look back, what, what was the point as I considered that? Why not look back? You know, God wanted them 
to put that behind them, all the evil, all of that that had occurred and was occurring in that, in that city, and to look forward to new opportunities, to new things that would be good. Don't look back. You've made the decision. We've agreed you're going to escape. We're facilitating your escape. Now don't look back. Focus upon what is ahead. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this evening. Don't look back. And we're so prone to do that as, as human beings sometimes. We want to hold on to some of those bad things that maybe we've done in the past and let them affect us as we move forward. Or we want to hold on to things that people have done to us or circumstances have thrown upon us that are not good. And we kind of... We want to keep our attention somewhat divided and we want to look back at all those things instead of focusing forward. Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife, she looked back. Now, why did she look back? You know, we can speculate. Did, did she want to see the destruction? Maybe, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to take our eyes off of catastrophe, right? You know, and we call it rubbernecking when it's on the freeway. There's a wreck and you, you slow down and you endanger other people because you, you can't take your eyes off of what's happened. Maybe that was part of what the enticement was for her. And I can't help but think there was another element associated with the reason she knew she wasn't supposed to look back, but she did it anyway. It's almost like she couldn't help herself. Looking back on those things that she lost and left <laughs> and left behind. And, you know, that's a natural tendency, right? If you put down roots and you've accumulated and now it's all going to be destroyed and taken away, the tendency is going to be to look back and look at what you're leaving, what you lost. If it wasn't the carnage and the destruction and knowing that evil was being eradicated, then I can't help but think there was some enticement within Lot's wife to look back and long for what she left behind. All of the things, a home, you know, you go through the litany, and in our generation today, it may be your house is destroyed. I would hate to lose my house. In the contents of my house, and if I had loved ones, I would hate to lose them. You know, we get life insurance policies. We get homeowners and policies because we want to try to protect those things that we've accumulated. Perhaps that was something else that caused her to look back. All the things that she had left that were still pulling at her. The angel said, forget it. Don't look back. You look forward. Keep going straight ahead. Luke chapter 9. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 9. Verse number 59 beginning. It says, And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, This is Jesus speaking, But he said, Lord, suffer me first and go, uh, to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but... Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home, or that are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, 
is fit for the kingdom of God. Why is this? You know, as I, you know, I remember this scripture, but as I really begin to ponder it more and more, man, that's, that's pretty strong, right? No person that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What are the implications there? Because Jesus was pretty emphatic about, look, and we're going to look at this saying, you know, put your hands to the plow. But he was saying, once you've committed, once you've done that, don't look back. Right? He said, you focus on what is ahead. Don't let those things that have happened in the past pull you back and cause you to lose focus, perhaps. So one, put your hand to the plow. And, and you know, most, I say most, many of us that are probably in my generation and before have heard that saying, put your hand to the plow. Well, what does that mean? And it is, it's a, it's a proverbial saying, right? We say, you know, put your hand to the plow and keep going. And that means to begin or undertake a task or a business endeavor. You're going to put your hands to the plow and you're going to focus on what is before you and you're going to get that business done and you're not going to look back because you've committed. You've committed to that business or that task. You put your hands to that plow. Now, don't look back. And to look back signifies what? Some element of regret or perhaps a lack of focus. And as I look at Lot's wife and she looked back, that pretty well fits. Did she have some regret? No doubt. Some regret, leaving behind all of those things, good memories, bad memories, things that they had accumulated, things that they had accumulated, earthly things. Perhaps she lost some focus. I can't help but think she did. Angel said, you leave. Don't look back. You focus on what is before you, and that is escaping this city and the evil of it, and don't look back. But yet she did. Why? I'm a longing, thinking maybe is this the right decision? She would have made a different decision. Now I can't help but think the, the city's being destroyed. It's a good decision to leave. Otherwise, you're going to be dead. You're going to be caught up in the destruction. So it wasn't that. She knew it was being destroyed, but it, I, I can't help but think it was longing for those things that had been, looking back. You know, there's another element to that. And, you know, as you look at this, at this picture, and I, you know, I remember Dad talking about years ago, and, I, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm, haven't done any farming. I've done gardening, but... It's not really farm, farming, not in a commercial sense, but as you, you look at farming, especially when you're talking about a plow and mules or some sort of animal, a burden, or whatever that's pulling that plow, and you are guiding that plow. And that's where the saying really originated. Once you put your hands to that plow, you're committed and you make it happen. That's your business, that's your focus. Because if you look back, we're not talking about today with today's technology. I mean, you, you, you talk to some people like Van Miller or, or others that are in big commercial farming, and now you have tractors that are on GPS, and you, know, you can almost just let them go, and they're going to 
direct a straight line and keep your rows straight as you plow. Not so in the old times. You look back, it's likely that your row is not going to be straight. Your focus is behind you, not in front of you. Not focused on the business that is ahead of you and what you committed to. So that's the same way it should be with us as Christians. And it's hard sometimes. Life has so many unknowns, so many variables. Sometimes we want to look back and hold on to those things that were behind instead of focusing on what is before us, placing all of our faith and our confidence in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father and what He can do for us. And if we focus on Him, what is behind us is behind us. We keep focusing forward. Second Peter, chapter 2, verse 20. And this is what Nathaniel read for us. And you can tell how this kind of intertwines with our thoughts of the evening. Four, verse number 24. If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, speaking of people, individuals that have made a commitment to follow after Christ. says, if you've done that, you have enjoyed the privileges and the promises and the greatness of being a part of the, the kingdom of, of God, kingdom of Christ. For if they, speaking of those types of people, have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome. They look back. They lost their focus. You know, I've done that before. You know, you lose your focus. You get caught up in all of the day-to-day -day activities of your job and the pressures of raising a family and all the stuff that comes along with that in life in general, and you begin to get pulled back. Looking back instead of looking forward. It says, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, understood it, enjoyed it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again in the sow that was washed or her wallowing in the mire. And we probably get the, the mental image, right, of what, what the author is describing. If you've ever had dogs, if you've had them for, for long, you know exactly what that means when it talks about vomit and the dog returning to it. I'm not going to go into that, but you get the visualization. You know, they turned around, they went back to that unpleasant thing that had just happened to them or they just went through they turn away and they go back to it. And I, I've seen animals do that. Kind of disgusting. We're that way sometimes. You know, we throw off something that was not good and we're free of it. Satan comes along and says, you sure you want to leave that behind? And it's vile and it's wretched, just like that vomit. And we say, you know, you're right. I, I, think, I, I think that's a little bit enticing. When all along, it's just like the vomit from a dog. And they go back to it. Sometimes we're that same way. Human nature so often, unfortunately. But it's true. It's something we always need to be on guard of. 
and the sow that was washed the wallowing to the wallowing in the mire. You know, and I, I've never raised pigs. Um, I've hunted them, and, and you know, they're, they're kind of nasty creatures. But, you know, they've been all cleaned up by someone. Perhaps, um, you know, and Ashton could probably tell us about that more than, than I would know. But you wash them up, and you get them ready to show. And what do they want to do? They want to go back to the mud, and they want to wallow. And they're dirty all over again. I mean, you get the, you get the image. And that's what we're being warned against. Don't look back. We've got something great. But you know, so often Satan comes to us and says, you know that vomit over there that you left? Now I'm going to look at it again. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe there's some good things there. Satan has a way of prettying things up that are evil and that are bad and causing us to turn our attention away and our focus away even though we placed our hands to that proverbial Christian plow, we look away. And that's Satan. You know, the Bible, tell, <coughs> pardon me, the Bible tells us that Satan's a liar, and that's his natural language. He's a deceiver, he's a liar, and he can dress, dress up, vomit, evil things, bad things, corrupt things, make them look good, and cause us to go right back to it. That's what the scripture is warning us against. Don't do that. You put your hands to the plow, keep looking for it. But human nature, maybe not so much for you, but I know I have to be on guard. There are things that have happened that, you know, either they make me angry, disappointed, whatever the case may be, and you want to put your focus back on that, and you take your eyes off of the prize that lays ahead. And that's what this is warning us about. Mark 10. Verse 29, it says, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? They left their house and all their, their earthly belongings. Or brethren, they left their friends, maybe other family, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now and in this time in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands of perse with persecutions and the world to come eternal life. Now, is that, I mean, it's figurative. We give up things to follow after Christ and we will have to. Now, in this land, we're, we're so greatly blessed. You know, and sometimes you, you look at the things that we're blessed with and we, we think about giving things up and we think about doing without when, you know, we're so blessed. I, I'm not sure that I really understand what it means to go without. But the concept is there. We should be willing to give things up for the cause of Christ if that's what it takes. And it's saying, look, just as an example, if you come from a family, and I know people like this, you come from a family where mom and dad and sister and brother, they're not pursuing Christ, and you have to separate yourself from them, and that is, I've, I know people do this. I know people that have done it, and maybe you're one of those. I don't know. But he says, you may have to do that. Because they are going to be the source of you looking back and taking your focus off of what is before and what your goal really is. That's not saying that we be mean and 
antagonistic and you know vitriol and everything else about those people that we've had to leave but you understand the meaning don't let them pull you back and be the source and the cause of you putting aside Christ and being dedicated to him to return to your family in a relationship that maybe you miss with them certain relationships may not be what you want them to be and this is saying you have to give up mom and dad and sisters and brothers and lands and homes. Keep it in the right perspective. Don't let it pull you back. You have a responsibility to keep going forward because that's where the good stuff is. It's not the vomit, you know. It's not the, the mud that the, the sow goes back to. It's God. It's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that prize is worth it all. And that's where we need to focus. Sometimes we have a tendency to look back and want to get pulled back by certain things, whether it is circumstances in life you want to focus on. Things are not fair. You lost so much. And you, you name it. The scriptures indicate whatever you give up, whatever you sacrifice to follow after Jesus Christ, it's going to be worth it all. That is the point. Philippians chapter 3. And we'll close with this scripture. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 8. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. The excellency. <laughs> it's perfect. It's excellent. It's worth pursuing. It says, I count all things lost. You know, I will, I will give things up to pursue that prize. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I want that so bad. I want to attain what Christ has to offer. Because within him is perfection. And I want to pursue that. Am I already perfect? No. But through him I strive for perfection. Will I ever reach it? No. But through him I can appear as perfect before the Creator because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And because of our pursuit of him, we can appear perfect. Not because of our own perfection, but because of the perfection of Jesus Christ. It says again, verse number 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend or take hold of that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So, looking ahead, forgetting those things which are behind, and that's figuratively, right? Again, we go back to our minds. God created a, a, a wonderful thing. We have memory. So truly forgetting, no, but not focusing on those things. Focusing on what is important in the goodness thereof. It says forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And if you get the visualization, forget that that's gone before, and you're reaching, you're reaching forward and focusing on the things in front of you and all of the perfection that is available through Christ Jesus that's our focus. That's our goal. Verse number 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And it's a prize. And he characterizes it as a prize. It's something that you long for and it's worthwhile pursuing. You know, the world doesn't see it that way. And I use world in the sense of outside of Christ. The world doesn't see it as a prize. So often they see it as a hindrance. But truly, if we see it for what it is, you know, it, it relieves us of a lot of burden and pressure, realizing that everything in this world that we endure, <coughs> pardon me, that we endure, the things that we go through, it's worth the prize that is before us. Don't worry about those things that are behind. You can't change them anyway. If you've made mistakes, if you have sinned, if you focus on things you shouldn't, those things are behind you. Look at the Apostle Paul. He said, above all, I'm the chiefest of sinners. You look at my life, I'm worse than anybody. But he said, I'm focused in front of me. I'm pursuing the prize that is available through Christ Jesus. Same thing for us. So I encourage you, if you've made, if you put your hands to the plow, don't look back. And I, I'm preaching to myself as well. Don't look back. Because the prize that is available to us through Jesus Christ is worth it all. I leave you with those words. And we want to put forth two invitations at this point in, in our service. One being for those that have not Focus on that prize that is available. I don't know that we have anyone here that has not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, but if you are present, if you have not made up your mind that you're going to put your hand to that proverbial plow and follow after Christ, we encourage you to do that and to follow him into baptism, to confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God, to be baptized into his death, burial, and his resurrection. If there be here anyone that desires the, the prayers of the church. Maybe your past has, maybe it, it pulls you back and you just need your brothers and sisters in Christ to, to, to pray with you and for you. If there be any reason that you would need the prayers of the church, please come forward and let us know as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.